When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everybody. Let me talk to you here for a second. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Here, let me explain real quick. First off, it's free. That is the best word in the English language. Free. There's also a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and much, much more. You can make money from your podcast as well with no minimum listenership. That's big. I mean, huge for brand new podcasters. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Just download the free Anchor app or go to anchorfm.com to get started. No one really tries to be unsafe online. Enter address for free tater tots. But every time you give up info and privacy... So I gave your birth date for free parking. That's how I got this robe. You may give up some safety too. Norton 360 with LifeLock has device security, a VPN for online privacy, and identity theft protection all in one. No one can prevent all cybercrime or identity theft, but you can save 25% or more off your first year. Opt into cyber safety at Norton.com slash news. Welcome, everyone, to the main event, Mark's Podcast. And we're getting spooky today for our Buried Alive episode. I am your first co-host, former radio guy and lifelong wrestling nerd, Troy, and my other co-host. He is the main event collector and WWE walking wrestling encyclopedia. He is the fart gun to my billy gun. He is Greg. What's up, Greg? I knew you were going to use those two. Well, what was the other? I, actually, I was going to go with Owen and Bulldog, but then I was then I uh, spaced on it. Then you the realize you're minute. not going to pull off either one of them. So yeah, who was I going to pull off from the smoking guns? No, you can be a, a douche like Bart, but it's okay. How, how dare you disparage the good goddamn name of the Brawl for All winner, Greg? Wow, what? I don't, I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> he won the Brawl for All. But on this show, thank God, we're not talking about Brawl for All. Weird. I, I know. Don't no, worry. I, I, we got that in the pipeline. It's coming. Yay. Uh, well, we, we talked about it on our bonus show for July when we talked about uh, a, a Monday Night Raw from July of 1998. So if you want, if you really want to hear some Brawl for All talk, and why wouldn't life. you? Here's how sad is your life when that's what you want to hear. 
Yeah, it's like, oh, I want to hear these nerds uh, talk about Brawl for All. That's what I want in my life. I mean, thank you, but why? I don't know. But either way, uh, we are not. We are talking about Buried Alive from 1996 today. Uh, small confession: I've never seen this show. So this was my first viewing of it ever. So I've got fresh eyes and I've got some various opinions on it. And I, I, I like to, I like to wind you up and, and watch you, uh, go off sometimes. So I'm going to, uh, I'm going to throw in the occasional Uncle Dave comment just to see how you respond. Of course you <laughs> well, I saw a couple of, normally like his opinions of stuff. I'm like, ah, I don't care. I'm not going to leave it out. But a couple of these, I'm like, I got to throw this in just, especially after, and if none of you have yet listened in the archives to our Fall Brawl 1997 episode, it's uh, yeah, there, there's a bit of a a bit of a an, uh, some anger <laughs> or resentment or whatever you want to call it. Coming uh, from Greg. Chad. Yeah, he he was not happy that uh, that Uncle Dave didn't play along. And he uh, he told everybody about why Ric Flair was taking time off from WCW. Uh, oh, he's got to be he's got to be that guy, just like every stupid fan on the Internet. I'm not defending him here, but you know who called him and directly told him all of this, right, Greg? The Red Rooster? No, the Nature Boy himself. I, I mean, we, we can't 100% say, well, exactly. But, I mean, if you read any of the Observers, Ric Flair had a direct line to Dave Meltzer throughout most of his career. Well, he's not exactly the President of the United States. I'm pretty sure anybody can talk to him. Yeah, he's Dave Meltzer from San Jose, California. How do we get a hold of him? I don't know. Just go wait in the bathroom of the Sharks game. He'll come to you. Oh. For those of you that don't know, Greg peed next to him at a Sharks game one time. Yeah, that was uh, a life achievement for me. Oh, yeah. Achievement un- un- unlocked. <laughs> hey, that's to Dave be... Meltzer. That's like a thousand gamer score right there, I think. That's well, a big yeah. achievement. At, at the very least. And also, I want to plug, Greg is in charge of a facet of ours. Uh, stuff is coming down the pike. And the first big thing is main event collector Instagram page. Uh, what is it? T- kind of tell them a little bit about it here real quick going into the break. I just usually post a figure a day. Or maybe it's one I just got. Maybe it's one I have, uh, just to show off the collection. And what's the handle? Uh, main event collector, all lowercase. Nice. Okay. Yeah. So it's at main event collector. And that, uh, like what you just said, hence why we are at main event underscore marks. So, uh, well, yeah, yeah we're go- the main events. We're on little curtain jerkers undercards. But yeah, so there's our social media. Definitely go follow us on YouTube. All the latest podcasts are posted on there as well. And our July bonus show is only on YouTube. So go check that out. Freaking most of the bonus. bonus shows, most of our bonus shows are, they come directly on the podcast feed. The July one was not, and it's shorter than most of our shows. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about all the news and notes of this time in history. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at main event underscore marks and Facebook at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod. The been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. Now, back to our program. All right, we're back, and it was time for the news and notes. I know this is 
one of Greg's favorite, well, I think it is your favorite part of the entire show, when we get to break down all the, uh, all the news and notes from that, this time in history, which would be October of 1996. And also, if you guys want to send it, we can't jam everything in here, or it would be just a forever long show. So if you guys want to talk about something specific, if you want to hear our opinions on it or hear more about it, if we can find something on it, send it to us on social media. We'll see what we can do. But I assume you're ready for for uh, for all of this. As ready as I can be. Okay, well, this this first story here is, uh, you know how I always try to start us off with the bad stuff and then pick us up later on, sort of. Well, this one is just ridiculous. Uh, it's an update on Hulk Hogan's extortion lawsuit from back in January. Hogan filed a suit against a woman named Kathleen Kennedy, who worked at his Pasta Mania restaurant, and her lawyer, because they threatened to go to the police and claim that Hogan sexually assaulted her unless he paid them off. Kennedy claims that Hogan forced her into oral sex and despite her resistance, and also claimed that they have evidence that Hogan raped other women. Hogan is claiming extortion and attempted to get police to file charges against the lawyer for it, but the police declined. The lawsuit is still ongoing. Did you hear about this in the past? I know. I think Eric Bischoff talked about it. I heard of it, but I didn't hear any details. Nor did I try to. But yeah, yeah. For those of you that don't know, Hogan ran a. Didn't he have like kind of a commercial for it during the first Nitro when they were in the uh, Mall of America? Yeah, I like, think they even show it on camera. I believe. Yeah, he was in the Postmania restaurant. It was in the Mall of America where they had the first ever Monday Night Nitro. And, uh, yeah, it was from what I have heard from like people who actually went there, they said it was not good, bad. They said the pasta sauce basically tasted like ketchup. So, mm. yum. Yeah. Uh, the only reason anybody went there was because Hogan's name was on it and Hogan didn't run it or anything like that. He basically like leased out his name and likeness. I guarantee he probably was just there for the opening and never went back. Yeah. Well, uh, he would. Yeah, he was there for the opening, he was there for Nitro to pump it up, and then he was like, wait a minute, I have a restaurant in the Mall of America, brother? When did that happen? Yeah, what's Mall of America? Well, uh, he's a Minnesota boy, so he knows what it is, but either way, yeah, so this was... Excuse me, he's from Tampa? Oh! Venice Beach? Yeah! (laughs) Yeah, okay. (laughs) Anyway, yeah, this was something. So, this woman did not, obviously, did not win this lawsuit. It was proven that she was full of crap. And this was don't before, say. Yeah, and this was before everybody and their brother was getting canceled for very and and look, I'm not gonna get into any of that right now, but you know, we've seen all the people getting canceled for being guilty and not guilty. And obviously Hogan came out the other side of this and no evidence was brought forward proving anything. So I assume he was yeah, you, know, you can say whatever you want if you don't like Hogan, cool, but um until this woman came along, I don't think anybody before or since accused him of being a rapist. I, 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 it's to my knowledge, this is the only story I've, that ever came out about, Hogan's a rapist! The, going on to something else here, WCW was nearly doubling the WWF when it comes to adult viewers because they have the stars that adults grew up on, like Hogan, Savage, Flair, etc. And even though the hardcore fans might not like those guys, they're still the names that the casual audience knows. WWF is winning the house show battle, however, because teenagers are more likely to attend live events, and WWF has the slight edge in teenage viewers, and Shawn Michaels is a big draw among teens, while WCW builds a company around Hulk Hogan, but he doesn't work house shows. Doesn't work for him. No cameras on? That doesn't work for me, brother. (laughs) 
I'm called Hollywood Hogan, okay? No cameras, no thank you. This, some of this was kind of conjecture and kind of, you know. No! Like, well, yeah. But, I mean, some, some of this is grounded in fact, and some of this, you know, like the the demographics and whatnot, you can kind of guess why the demographics are the way they are, but, I mean, that doesn't sound far off. I mean, you're you're different because you were a, still a kid during this time. You were were you, you were you even a you weren't even a teenager during this time, were you? Let's see, any seven, six, six. Oh no, nope, yeah. twelve. Yeah, so yeah, so you were preteen still. So yeah, I mean, you were you would be you grew up on Hogan and all of them, but you would still be digging what the WWF was doing. I favor the WWE the whole time. I would record Nitro and watch that after. Yeah. So, well, you, I did that after they stopped airing it at five o'clock West Coast time. TNT used to put it on at five o'clock here, so I never had to worry about switching channels. Yeah, I didn't know that that was like I knew they used to do that. I didn't know they still did that kind of stuff until I went to uh, my mother's house. She had a Roku and she had TNT East and West. I was like, well, this is still a thing. Yep. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't get how that time zone thing works. I never got that either, honestly. But I actually found out that was a thing when I was when we got cable for the first time when I was like 12 or some 11, something like that. I don't know. But I, I was. Roll young, and I was like, "Wait a minute! There are East Coast and West Coast channels. What gives?" <laughs> I remember going out of, uh, like, not out of state, but like out of, the, like, far out of the area with my family one time. Yeah, and go to watch TV at a friend's house, and like, all the channels are different. <laughs> I'm like, "What oh, the yeah. hell is this? Like, channel two is not two, and four is something yeah. else, and twelve is something. What, what is this?" I still had cousins that did that for. They were like, "Put it on channel five. and I'm like, it, "Channel five is different for me." Like. <laughs> The you can't just channel? say. Why do I watch that? Yeah, I was like, "What's on five for you?" Is not what's on five for me. Like, you know, you have to give me a channel name, not a channel number. Obviously, some of this is conjecture, but I mean, it is true. I mean, it, it goes to say something when your world champion in the WWF, Shawn Michaels, works nightly, like even house shows, whereas Hulk Hogan does not. I mean, he doesn't even work all the pay per views, as we talked about a couple weeks ago. So, but to be fair, I, at this point, he doesn't have to, and. That yeah. was part of the deal. So, I mean, I, I mean, I'm not stupid, it was, but I get it. Yeah, I'm not saying it was wrong for him. I was saying, you know, WCW is building around Hogan is, oh, you're our champion, but you're not, you know, you're only here like half the time. Kind of like Brock with WWE, except you'd occasionally get a Hogan match or promo on Nitro. So, oh my gosh, here's one. Do you remember Buddy Lee Parker? Yes, that's um, Colonel Rob Parker, right? No, this was uh, like, I think it was Sergeant Buddy Lee Parker. Or oh, yeah, Buddy yeah. Lee. But yeah, yeah, that guy. He wore flat fatigues top. and he had the flat top. Yeah, he almost looked like a Fit Finley in a way. Yeah, I was about yeah. to say he looked like Fit Finley when he went hardcore. Yes. Yeah. I'm hardcore. <laughs> oh, uh, horse is sick. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> wrong guy. <laughs> uh, but Buddy Lee Parker has been doing a gimmick called Braun the Leprechaun. I, I remember this. <laughs> but it has been dropped because, and I quote, Dave says, Believe it or not, some group complained about WCW's gimmick being a negative portrayal of leprechauns. So they dropped the gimmick. Oh, my God. What? What did, what did Lucky Charm? Did, uh, did Gerald Mills complain to the, They were like, hey, people aren't going to buy Lucky Charms anymore. You're making you're making our <laughs> leprechaun look like an asshole. I mean, oh, good Lord. <laughs> I don't even know what to do with that. Holy just, crap. Yeah, that was stupid. Here's a weird story out of Mexico here. Sort, sort of Mexico, sort of, it deals with WCW, and you'll see why. And that's the only reason I have it on here. 
It's expected that all of AAA's wrestlers that work for WCW will be leaving AAA this week to go wrestle for Promo Azteca in Mexico after a split between AAA president Antonio Peña and Conan. Aside from Conan, the wrestlers expected to jump ship are Super Kahlo, Rey Mysterio Jr., Piroff Jr., Super Crazy, Psychosis, Juventud Guerrera, and several others. There have been a lot of disagreements, mostly over money, go figure, and that uh, finally boiled over. One notable exception is La Parca, who will probably stay with AAA because they own his gimmick, and he wouldn't be as successful without it. Spoiler, he would eventually leave AAA, they would keep his gimmick, so he would change his name to L.A. Park, and stop wearing his black and white gear, and kind of change up the colors a little bit. And he become the chairman of WCW. Hell of a promotion. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think, I can't remember exactly what, I think this was the year, come to think of it, that he left AAA, and there was a big uh, big battle of it, and then they got LaParca Jr., went strict straight to uh, the original LaParca Jr., by the way, went from becoming LaParca Jr. to just becoming LaParca. And they were like, well, this is the same guy. It's like, no, it's not. He, by the way, is the one who passed away, not the one in WCW. Yeah, I, don't, I keep getting that confused. Not that yeah. I'm, like, celebrating, oh, God, it wasn't him, thankfully. But yeah, oh, I was like, I didn't yeah. realize there was, like, multiple... Yeah, it's Mexico is. I'm not. I'm not being racist here by saying this at all. Don't and don't anybody misconstrue it. But Mexico is a weird place when it comes to legal stuff. I mean, it was kind of like I've a, heard multiple people say that. Yeah, not just and, on TV, but friends too. Yeah, who are from well, Mexico. Well, for sure. That's why uh, AAA gets away with using licensed music sometimes because. And I asked uh, my now uh, passed away buddy uh, Santiago about that. And he said, well, Mexico has different trade, trademark laws. So not only do you trademark your song, you have to specifically trademark it in Mexico, too, which is a big hassle, apparently, because our court system is just all kinds of strange. So he said a lot of people just give up and they're like, whatever, it's not trademarked in Mexico. So <laughs> okay. That, that's why La Parca, up until the day he died, he came out to Thriller by Michael Jackson and nobody said a word because the song is not trademarked in Mexico. But yeah, so Antonio Pena and uh, La Parca, the original La Parca, now L.A. Park, had a big dispute for years over this. It was a big deal. That is why the, of the name change, I had to have all this explained to me at one point because I was like, why is he no longer La Parca? And why does he like, why is his mask different? And, like, I don't know if you've noticed, like through the years, his mask changed up a little bit. Mm, I but, did, but it didn't look like it was, it just looked like little additions and stuff like he was spicing up. Yeah, he well, he he changed it specifically because of this. He didn't want to, but he had to. Here's here's one uh, kind. I mean, it's sad, but the guy is pushing sixty at this point, so it's kind of you know. I, but uh, Wahoo McDaniel officially announced his retirement due to a serious heart condition around this time. And he was yeah. pushed, like I said, he was fifty nine when he retired. So it was uh, it wasn't necessarily. Sad. It's sad because of his heart condition. He lived until the age of 63 uh, in 2002, which is not very old, if you ask me. No, it's not. Yeah, so I don't know. Um, it, it, I, I'm not seeing a cause of death. I don't know if he died from his, his heart condition or whatnot. But he, pr I guarantee he prolonged his life by getting out of the ring when he did in 96. But he gave himself, you know, uh, six more years of life, I, I'm sure. Wahoo is notoriously one of Rick. I think he's Ric Flair's favorite wrestler of all time. He said he was one of his favorite opponents of all time. Hard hitting MF -er. It just 
definitely, if, if anybody gets a chance to go watch some of his old matches, it's good stuff. Like, he beat the crap out of people. <laughs> Speaking of somebody else who beats the crap out of people, Kenta Kobashi suffered a broken eardrum, but is still working every single night because he's an effing man. <laughs> Such an effing man. Yeah, he, uh, he, he, uh, he's nuts, man. I mean, he's not wrestling today, but honestly, that kind of shocks me that he didn't, you know, go the way of Mitsuharu Misawa. It's like, I'm wrestling until I die in that ring. I don't know why I gave him a southern accent, but there you are. I don't know why either, but okay. Are you ready for this, Greg? I, I, I gotta, I'm gonna Whenever put in you new... say that, I probably am not. And sorry, something horrible. Well, I'm going to put in a new sounder this week for, for this one, because this is going to be a, a recurring thing I'm going to do in our news if, if there's something juicy enough. And I'm, I'm going to do a voiceover with it here. This week in ECW. Good, that was actually sir. really good. <laughs> Thank you. Here, here we go. Really good. Uh, <laughs> to, Hold on, get it before in. we go on, I gotta say it's really good in the in the Bruce Pritchard way of mocking is what I mean. Well, yeah, I mean it doesn't sound exactly like Paulie. No, but it sounds exactly like Bruce. So good enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I was hearing when you said that. So. This first, I got two stories out of ECW for you here that you're just going to love because you love crapping on this company. Fans started throwing chairs at wrestlers during a recent ECW show, which led to Tommy Dreamer, Bubba Ray Dudley, Sandman, Taz, and others jumping into the crowd to fight the fans. <laughs> it, was, it was only a small group of fans doing it, but the chaos turned into a pretty big scene before the fans were taken out of the building. You well, don't say... I'm going to 100. It broke out there. I can't believe that. I know. I'm going to 1,000 percent blame this all on ECW because they've re they've frequently encouraged people to throw crap into the ring and bring their weapons. Chris Jericho was there. What this year or the year before? At least yeah. within this region yeah, he, of time, yeah, he flat out has said multiple times it was the quote most interactive wrestling company ever. Which is that good sounds and bad. like that sounds like interaction to me. So. You know, yeah, that's uh, well, that, that's the bad kind of interaction there. Like when uh, Jim Cornette would talk about when the gangsters were in Smoky Mountain, he was like, they got a ton of heat, but sometimes it was a bad kind of heat. Like, yeah, no, so we're not no, talking no, like MJF or Baron Corbin heat, right? Yeah, that's uh, this is this is I like how you picked Baron Corbin, by the way, but <laughs> I love the guy, but people seem to hate him, but. I do want his new figure because all I have is a basic of him and he's got the long hair. So I, I want an up, somewhat updated one. And that's neither here nor there. The second story out of ECW is equally bad. Devin Storm in ECW was trash talking a fan and was hit and the fan hit him with a cane, splitting Storm's brow wide open, forcing him to be hospitalized. Look, I'm not trying to be funny, but uh, if it was a crowbar, it would all make sense. Oh, my gosh. Well, he missed. They would have all like fell in line right there. I would got it. Okay, now I get it. Yep. Uh, but he missed the show the next night because of it. Also, Taz got into it with a fan and ended up shoving the fan to the ground. But then he got on the mic and he said he at least respected that fan because he wasn't a pussy like Sabu. <laughs> you got to respect that. He brings it back to the story. I like that. That's good. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. And the fan wasn't stupid enough to go after Taz. So that's uh. That's it. Uh, I don't know. I forget who, but someone said he was just like a tough guy on TV. He was actually a little, like a pushover. A punk. Right? Yeah. Was he CM Punk? Uh, no, he wasn't Punk. I can't. Well, I can't remember who it was because I think Bubba Ray. I don't know. I, I think I want to say it was Bubba Ray. Somebody just went up and op like open hand smacked him across the face and like called him out. Taz said the reason he was like, I didn't back down. 
I didn't want to start a brawl in the locker room and be unprofessional or whatever, which I get. But at the same time, it's like kind of punked you out, dude. So I don't know. At least front face lock him or something. Supposedly he knew some kind of jujitsu. So I throw him. All right. Well, we're out of ECW, but I got something else. Oh, no. Get, I got something else before we get into the, to the WWF news because I want to close out with that. It's uh, <clears throat> I'm going to get my my uh, my newsman voice for for this intro. This week in Stupid Things, Uncle Dave says. Dave takes a random shot. I can't wait shot. for this. <laughs> Dave takes a random shot at Sid saying, quote, Sid has gotten so bad, it's almost amazing. He's always been bad, but compared to what he is now, he used to be flair in his prime. I, I, <sighs> okay. I love Sid. And yeah. I be a fan. But no. Yeah. I... Well, he said, well, he used to be, well, he said, he's saying like, comparatively, he's like, well, he's so bad now. He like, as bad he was before he was, you know, like a million times better. I I don't know. I watched him versus, okay. Him versus Vader. I'm not going to get into it yet. I'm going to get my thoughts later, but uh, we'll just say it wasn't a five-star classic, but I God, I didn't think it was like, and it was Vader. I don't know. It was stupid things that Uncle Dave says. So that's that's that segment for the week. I don't I don't know where else to go from there. Well, where else can you go? Yeah, he just called. Just, he just said Sid was as good as Flair. No, well, no, he was comparing. He said as good as like as bad as he was before. Like that was basically like he was Flair back then compared to how bad he is now. So he wasn't exactly. You get it anyway. Speaking of, I don't people, want to get it, but yeah. Speaking of oversized guys who were really bad getting into the wwf news here bodybuilder Occam albright soon to be known as brockus who wwf oh yeah who wwf recently signed has been training for the last several weeks reportedly he hates taking bumps so he brought a mattress into the ring for him to le- to learn on well, that's gonna get him far huh yeah what was it i said uh that the that, that taz called sabu earlier um it started with a p <laughs> That um Just say punk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we'll go we'll go with punk. That's we'll a keep it, we'll keep it PG. Yeah, I don't want to have to bleep myself twice. So yeah. I bleep that's, myself uh, last night twice. Anyways, um <laughs> Good Lord. Anyway, quickly. No, I, was, I was playing video games and I said a swear word and I bleeped myself. Yeah, God, yeah, what are you yeah. thinking about? Yeah, okay, yeah. Randy Orton should have bleeped himself while playing video games. But regardless, Farouk has a hamstring injury and will miss the pay-per-view. That will explain something that goes on later on in the show that we will get to. Look, I'm not exactly, uh, well, I don't know. do we eventually get Ahmed and Farouk? It will happen like, for the first time, at least on pay-per-view at the Royal Rumble. Oh, yay. Like, dang, yeah, how bad is that hamstring injury? And it's a barn burner, too. Oh, uh, I also, I think, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure this hamstring injury is the last we see of Farouk Assad. Thank God. Oh, did he still have the last name Assad at this point? I think so, but at the at the Survivor yeah, Series? Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's at Survivor Series. He's in the match. I don't, I don't think it goes long. But um, I think at the Survivor Series, he comes out uh, as the Nation of Domination. So Nice. Because if you watch the uh, the show, you'll see him in the stupid gladiator getup. Wow. Yeah, that's a uh, spoiler for something uh, coming up later in uh, the show that we will see. Uh, you and I have to talk more about that when we get in the show. But this is the big story coming out of the WWF at this time. It will lead to something huge a year from now. 
Bret Hart signed a 20-year contract with the WWF the night after Buried Alive, just before appearing on Raw the same night to announce this to the live crowd. It's believed the deal amounts to just under $3 million per year for the first three years, and then a lesser amount as a, quote, non-performer for the remaining 17 years, during which Hart will presumably retire and take a front office position. Two weeks ago, we talked about how he came up with the Truth Commission idea, so something tells me he wouldn't have been in creative. <laughs> but, hey, maybe Vince liked that. You don't know. Uh, according to Bruce Pritchard, the only reason Vince went along with that idea was to placate Brett. And I was like, well, I'll give him something. Maybe I'll make him happy. Yes, he liked Kurgan because he was huge. My God, he's vascular. According, that was another thing. I think according to Bruce Pritchard, he didn't really care about Kurgan until he saw him dance. And he's like, God dang it, I can make him an oddity. He'll dance. <laughs> High earthquake. <laughs> <laughs> Put him in a mask and a Cartman t-shirt. But yeah, so this contract for anybody obviously didn't stick because we're in 96. He would go to the w, or to WCW in 97 after the Montreal Screwjob. The 20-year contract was reneged upon by Vince the next year because WCW was beating that ass. And Vince was like, look, I need to cut some costs. We can't afford to pay you what I promised. Can we uh, renegotiate? And you can go talk to WCW if you want. So obviously he did. And he went to WCW. All this is covered in Wrestling with Shadows, if I believe. Right? Mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Okay. So if anybody has not seen the Wrestling with Shadows documentary, it's actually pretty good. I think some of it's a little shady because uh, it, uh, you know, Brett wore a wire at times when people did not know he was wearing a wire. So, yeah, I mean, can't say I uh, support all of that. But, you know, all in all, it's... um. You know, it's it's a good documentary, very revealing about certain things. So either way, go uh, go check that out if you want to know more about it. Next thing here, Mr. Perfect is still collecting on his Lloyds of London insurance policy and may not ever want to return. Vince McMahon is reportedly willing to buy him out, however, of the policy to get him back in the ring. And we'll see teases of that on the show that we're about to cover. Did he ever, like, uh, until he went to WCW the next year, did he ever wrestle in WWF again? No, and we'll actually get to that within this review. Okay. Because he's supposed to wrestle the next night after the cement. Ah, okay. All right, last story. WWF was negotiating with Ken Shamrock, but his demands were too high, so negotiations went nowhere. Ah, uh, don't worry, they will. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Doesn't he pop up in 97? He pops up in February 97, so... Yeah. I'm so. going to say they probably got the deal done, and I'm assuming Uncle Dave is reporting this. And he just got it wrong. Shocker. Because what, this is, we're, we're, in, we're in October. He pops up in December. That's like three months later. What changed take, in three months? You take all that back, Greg. You take it back. You know, he said that UFC might be fixed and it's not real fights. So you take all that, that back. That one still got me to the point where I couldn't even reply. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. At, uh, that way we talked about that in a couple, a couple shows yeah, going. Herb Abrams one. Okay, yeah. The UWF. Blackjack Brawl 1994, if you want to hear about that. All the dirt sheet guys were claiming, well, Wade Keller actually analyzed video. Well, if you watch this video, you can see that, uh, you know, the, the punches are coming close enough to where it looks okay, but they're clearly missing. And like, Oh, what? Wade Keller, the expert on fighting. Well, you say that jokingly, but he actually, I mean, he, he does, oddly enough, he's like, he does like fight training. I mean, obviously not professionally, but, so I don't know. I believe him more than Uncle Dave, who... I assume I just had gym muscles. Does that make me an IT uh, executive? 
I mean, I work in IT, and I still go to you sometimes for IT questions, so maybe? <laughs> the basic stuff, yeah. I'm... Yeah. All right, well, anyway, that is... Anyway, sorry. That is the news, so let's let's wrap this segment up. We're going to take our uh, one more small break to uh, pay our bills here, and when we come back, we're going to get into In Your House, Buried Alive. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at main event underscore marks and Facebook at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod. The been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. Now, back to our program. All right, ready to get into the event at hand, Greg? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, it's WWF in your house 11, buried alive. This was 1996, uh, two months till the end of the year, and they've already had 11 of these when they started it in the beginning of 95. Think about that. That makes sense. They had the four big ones, and then... Yeah, Yeah, this is... like I was like, dang, you had 11 of these already? Like, all right. But either way, this took place October 20th, 1996, from the Market Square Arena in Indianapolis, Indiana. I have some some interesting factoids about that, because you always got your... Your cool facts about the matches. Well, I've got mm-hmm. some cool facts about the arena here to start off. I, I think the listeners will like. But the attendance for the show was 9,649. For reference, basketball, you can squeeze uh, 16,500 5, 16, fans. <laughs> uh, like, okay, I know cases aren't that great, but 1,600? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Crap. <laughs> yeah, no. But, uh, basketball, you can get over 16,500. For ice hockey, you can get just under 16,000. So... This place was, like, a little over half full, something like that. So, yikes. But the taglines for the event, there were two. The first one was Dead Man's Paradise, and the other one was Dead or Alive. You want to know some... Call it Buried Alive. I don't know. You need taglines, Greg. Gosh. Clash of the Champions Gold Rush. (laughs) But some fun facts about the Market Square Arena. This first one is the only one that's, like, wrestling-related. At this arena... Andre the Giant won the WWF Heavyweight Championship, ending Hulk Hogan's first reign. This was televised live on NBC's The Main Event 1 on February 5th, 1988. Uh, mm. I did not know that took place in this. So Andre the Giant beat Hulk Hogan on national TV for the belt, and The Undertaker buried, <laughs> the Undertaker and Mankind attempted to bury each other alive in the same arena. Uh, fact number two about this arena. Wayne Gretzky first skated out on the ice to start his pro hockey career here. Hmm. That's a pretty big one. Also, I, I couldn't believe how much history was at this arena. Michael Jordan made his comeback from retirement at Market Square Arena on March 19, 1995. The Pacers defeated the Bulls in overtime in what was the most watched NBA game on television in 20 years. That, that's nuts. I didn't know he went into retirement before 95. Yeah, that whole you didn't watch the last dance? No, I didn't. Good Lord. I'm not a bas- I'm not a basketball guy. I didn't really didn't not a guy, me. but anyways. No, I just I, I'm not big into sports and it really I try to be every now and then, but uh, It's Michael Jordan though. It's not He's yeah, like an but, American icon. Well, you got to remember when he was big like a big deal, I was a 
small child. And the only like the biggest thing oh, I remember him for uh, the, the, the biggest thing I remember him from is Space Jam. The final thing here, I don't know what the number, the exact number is here. It wasn't given, but the person to hold the attendance record for Market Square Arena is famous evangelist Billy Graham. Did you know superstar Billy Graham actually took his name from this from the evangelist? I didn't know that. I thought it was just like I didn't think the two were related. I didn't either, actually. Jim Ross starts to show off by complaining for like five minutes that he doesn't have a microphone, <laughs> and uh, and then finally he gets a microphone and the mic doesn't work. They keep this up throughout the first match, by the way. I want to point out there's there's a context to this. He's like uh, because they made it public that Vince McMahon fired him a couple times and. And they were mad because he brought, he quote, brought back Razor and Diesel. Yeah. That's the whole premise of this whole thing. Yeah. Well, and, and go back to the archives we talked about. It might have been the, our UWF show again where he got fired. And that was, I think that was the one he talked about on his podcast where Vince said, uh, I have plans for the future and you're not in them. And he was like, so I'm fired? And he's like, yep, go home. Hunter Hearst Helmsley comes to the ring with a random blonde woman. I guess this is a thing where he keeps bringing different women to the ring because Mr. Perfect keeps taking them. Yeah, and um, uh, that's how Sable came into the WWE. Yeah. Well, Kevin Kelly does an interview with Stone Cold Steve Austin backstage, and Kelly says that Savio Vega is injured, so he's being replaced by Helmsley. Austin says that Vega is faking it, and when he's back, Austin will injure him for real. And then he says that anyone with an issue or with an issue with his language can kiss his ass. <laughs> Yes. Um, one of my first notes is like they're going to talk about this heavily throughout the the match. Oh, excuse the language, excuse the language. He had just started using his colorful language. Oh yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. And Dave had to throw a, a jab in there where he's like, "Well, I guess Austin's new gimmick is how many times can I say the word ass within a five minute segment?" Something tells me it's going to work out for the positive. So, uh, no, Uncle Dave doesn't like it. Well then. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but this first match, Hunter Hearst Helmsley versus Stone Cold Steve Austin. It went for 15 and a half minutes. This uh, fun fact of this match to start off, not to take your gimmick, but this was the debut of Stone Cold's Hell, Free, uh, Hell Frozen Over thinking. Yep. It didn't, uh, I don't know if that was your fun fact of the match here, but. No, there everyone you go. knows that. Oh, well, I didn't because I wasn't watching wrestling at the time. So, but throughout the match. Carry your ass again. Anyway, sorry. Throughout the match, Ross's microphone keeps messing up. King actually calls McMahon out for his one, two. He got him now. It's like, do you do you, like, do you annoy when he does that too? <laughs> yeah. Uh, McMahon was like, I don't know. I'm just gonna start off by saying, like, McMahon was never like an amazing commentator. I thought his commentary absolutely sucked on the show. Was it just me? No, it wasn't just you. Okay, yeah, he was. I was like, what is wrong with you tonight, dude? He was like trying to be like a smart ass. And he wasn't calling stuff and just like, that's funny. And I crap, like how trying to keep it PG. It's funny. Crap. Pal. <laughs> well, and Jim Ross kept like, kept crapping on him throughout the whole night. He was like, that's called a hip toss right there. Vince. <laughs> and if you didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. He's like, well, what's that called right there? <laughs> like, well, it's not called a maneuver. That's for sure. Is this a match where he, um, I didn't make a note about this because I just mentally remembered. Is this the match where he bags on Connecticut and says it's an I overpriced hellhole so. and he can't wait to get back to Oklahoma? <laughs> yeah, because he was. Yeah, because he, he said something to Vince about uh, being. He, oh, cause, yeah, because he said something about well, Hunter's uh, Hunter Hearst Helmsley's from uh, from Connecticut. Yeah, you know, that's, that's yeah. where all the 
all the rich snobs and stuck-ups live. And he's, you know, I'm paraphrasing. And he's like, no, oh, I don't think you are. Yeah. Well, he's like, don't you live in Connecticut, Vince? He's like, or no, he was like, where do you live, Vince? He's like, well, I live in Connecticut. And he's like, I rest my case. <laughs> and, and then he's like, well, where do you live, Jim? And he's like, well, I'm, well, right now I live in that overpriced hellhole, but I can't wait to get back to good old Oklahoma where I'm from. <laughs> I mean, from everything I've heard, he's not wrong. I, it seems like everybody except for the McMahon family that has been forced to move to Connecticut ha- absolutely has hated it. it. At least that's the way it seems from like anybody who's done like shoot interviews or podcasts or anything like that. They're like, oh, my gosh, I couldn't stand Connecticut. I, I don't know. If anybody listening is from Connecticut and can tell me why, um, I mean, obviously, besides the, the prices. You think those rich jerks listening to us? Probably not. I don't know. Mr. Perfect comes out in a blue suit to hit on Helmsley's valet. Helmsley gets in his face, and then Austin gets in his face. Perfect starts to walk away, and then Austin throws a drink on uh, in the face of Mr. Perfect, and, and then Perfect leaves with the girl. Helmsley goes after Perfect, but Austin goes after Helmsley. Eventually, they get back in the ring, and Austin hits a stunner for the win. Uncle Dave says, quote, Austin seems to be getting over as a baby face as the swearing, flipping off character. Uh, he, I don't know. I guess this match got really positive reviews, and I'm not saying it sucked, but I wasn't super into it. Uncle Dave gave it three and one fourth star. I gave it two and a half stars. What say you? I gave it two. It was fun. But... I mean, I don't, I don't think it sucked. I was just like, I didn't see anything special about the match. Yeah. So, I... A few of my notes here. I said, uh, to this day, I still don't know why they had two heels facing each other. Uh, yeah. That baffled me. Yeah. So they made all, they made references to Austin's language. Like I said, the entire match was almost ignored because of Jared's mic issues and them constantly talking about Brett and Mr. Perfect returning the next night. Yeah. That took me out of it. Yeah. Like I, that, that was another reason why I gave this two and a half stars because I couldn't oh. even, I couldn't really concentrate. Like, on how many match. times are you going to tell us about tomorrow? I mean, I get it. We, you got the money. People bought this pay-per-view already. So whatever. I yeah. just, you know, but then my last thing too, which is kind of like a fun, the fact that ties in with them, like the answers are saying these two are future champs. I'm like, well, that was the understatement of the century. <laughs> like, yeah. Right. I'm like, yeah. oh, well, what do I say? Like, what fact do I give you about these two? Like that they're both going to be like major players. So, I mean, I, yeah. I just decided not to even do them for this because, yeah. Austin won. This was the year Austin won King of the Ring, correct? Yeah. He okay. Just well, won and, it like what? What is this? This is October and June, yeah. so four months earlier. Yeah, four months. And then Helmsley would win it the next year. Yeah. So there you go. A video is shown of how Billy Gunn stole Sunny away from the Godwins. For she was with the Godwins, right? She was with the Body Donnas, and then the Godwins, and then yes. Yeah, okay, so yeah. she managed three straight tag team champions. Nice. But yeah, she was with the Godwins. Billy stole her away to be the manager of the Smoking Guns. Uh, he's been getting distracted by Sonny during the matches, causing the Guns to lose the tag team titles to the British Bulldog and Owen Hart. Sonny then throws a tantrum in the ring and fires the Smoking Guns as her clients. Now we get uh, Doc Hendricks backstage interviewing the Smoking Guns, and Billy says that he's going to win the gold back for Sonny. By the way, this was during the, like, I didn't think about it until just now. Uh, Doc Hendricks had dropped the whole DJ routine. Yeah, thank God. Yeah, I I don't know exactly when he did that, but if you watch him back in uh, 95, he still had that, Hi, I'm Doc Hendricks, you're listening to, you know, that kind of pukey DJ, old school DJ voice. <laughs> pukey? But that's what they always described it as in in radio. Like, whenever I did, like, training for DJing or something like that, they were like, you know, the old puke, like, sounds like you're puking up your words as a DJ. Don't ever do that. Nobody likes that. Wow. 
But here we go. It's the British Bulldog and Owen Hart defending the champion, the WWF Tag Team Championships against Smoking Guns, Billy and Bart. Uh, the Bulldog and Hart have Clarence Mason in their corner, which was an odd. Why not? Uh, yeah, because they were trying to say, well, he uh, he stole them away from uh, from Jim Cornette. And I'm like, huh? Like the only the only thing I could assume was Cornette wanted to spend more time working on Smoky Mountain because it was going into the toilet. The only thing I can guess. I'd, going. I'd, yeah. Well, when the smoking... Oh, this match went for uh, 9 minutes, 17 seconds, by the way. When the smoking Lord, guns, 9 minutes too long. <laughs> when the smoking guns attempted the sidewinder, Bulldog pulled Bart's <laughs> pants back, and Billy just lands on the mat. <laughs> Owen then nails the spinning heel kick on Billy for the pin. Apparently that was his finisher during this time. I I didn't watch... Like I said, I didn't watch a lot of 96, so I didn't I didn't know that was... Yeah, it was, it was one of them. Yeah. Uh, Uncle Dave gave this two stars even. I gave it two and a half. Let's see you. I gave it one. This match sucked. Also, <laughs> the the ending was baffling. Go back to that bulldog pulling him part. He was pulling. Uh, he was pulling Billy, right? No, Bart. Uh, Bart. Bart. Yeah. So he pulls him to like avoid the sidewinder, which is clever. He was hiding behind him. Okay, I like the setup, but then he doesn't pull him enough, and the move still connects. I kind of. No, just don't kind of. Go back and watch it. It hella yeah. hits him. I'm like, what was the point of this whole thing? I think Billy. It was terrible. Him. Yeah, Billy kind of kind of hit him, but the, my thing was, I was like, well, Bart, because Owen gets up like nothing happened. Whereas, I mean, he pulled Bart back, and Bart still kind of drops him with a side slam, you know, or a sidewalk slam. Yeah, so I'm does, like, but like the whole thing about him coming off of like the sidewinder, he still hits him. The mm-hmm. fact that he even remotely hits him, to me, negates the entire thing. Yeah. This is yeah. so stupid. I can't believe this just happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, my thing was, I was like, okay, I realize, you know, the finisher kind of didn't connect, but at the same time, Bart still, like I like I said, Bart still hit a sidewalk slam on him, and Owen just gets up and no-sells it. <laughs> like, well, he fell, he didn't, he didn't slam <laughs> me. Like, who cares? <sighs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say it took me out of it, but it's just like, wow, this is like, just ugly as hell. I'm going to pull a you, Greg. You're, putting, you're, you're, you're thinking too much about it, and you're putting realism into it. Okay, yes, I get that. But also, when it's, like, blatant, and the camera's yeah. right on it. <laughs> Damn it, Kevin Dunn. <laughs> I mean, like, we saw it hit. That's my thing. They didn't, like, yeah. camera cut away or something and, and give the illusion of, uh, what's that word, uh, plausible deniability. Nope, we saw yep. it. This was another match, by the way, where Ross was still having mic problems. That was this another one of my notes. That sucked. That took me out of it, too. Yeah. I mean, and the match seemed to be all about Billy being infatuated with Sonny. Yep. That was like, it's like okay. I, when does when did the, the guns officially break up and Billy... So that was going to be my fact for this, paper, this yeah. match. This is the last ever pay-per-view match, and maybe even the last match ever for the Smoking Guns. Wow. Yeah. Well... Definitely the last pay-per-view. And my thing that I think is funny about this is he's infatuated with Sonny. He wants to get back with Sonny. But he goes with the Honky Tonk Man instead, which, you know, I mean, I mean ask me, he same, same. Up. yeah, same, 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 Sonny, Honky Tonk Man, whatever. They're interchangeable. <laughs> Fun fact, too, his first Gosh. pay-per-view match, I believe, would be against uh, Jesse James. And that's nice. kind of funny to think about, but yeah, the real double J. Yes, damn right. Well, I mentioned the thing about the mic problems for Jim Ross, because he gets into the ring and grabs a microphone finally, saying that McMahon is, quote, or is having, quote, his butt kissers mess with his headset. 
Uh, Ross then says he's bringing Bret Hart back to Raw tomorrow night to be uncensored. Ross then says that he's done and he leaves for the rest of the night. Sort of. We'll see him once more, but we'll get into that. I, I got to point out, too, on this, I laughed so hard when he says Brett's coming back tomorrow and he's got a shovel to bury people with. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love that. Oh, man. Yeah, and it's ironic. This is an effing shoot, bro. Yeah. Well, and the thing was, he, you know, he's supposed to be the heel announcer here. He's supposed to be the a-hole and, oh, my gosh, you know, he's just he's he's crapping on the company and everything else. And he's just he's being he's being uh, an old curmudgeon and whatever. But this got him over like people cheered him and like and when he's like putting down Vince, the people are like booing Vince, not him. It's like it completely backfired on them. When I was watching this when I was a kid. Like, obviously, I'm like, I'm just I'm just watching as a kid and I'm like, why is he so damn angry? I think yeah. as a kid, I probably liked Vince on commentary. I mean, I didn't realize how bad it was. I did, too. Like, yeah. I just I'm like, why is he so mad at him? You know, and then it starts coming around me. He's the owner. I'm like, OK, I get it. It's his boss. But I, I just thought it was funny. Yeah. And even at this time, they didn't fully like come right out and was like, well, he's the boss, guys. You know, well, Jim Ross gives that promo in the middle of the ring. He says, you know, the owner of this company. But he kind of says it like passively, not like pointing at Vince. Yeah. You know, so it could be like anybody. He's like, you know, but he's like sitting out here stroking his ego. But again, he doesn't really say Vince. Well, I liked. Um, I feel like the first time they acknowledge him on screen as the owner was the night Austin stunned him. He goes, yeah. how do you keep your job now? That's the owner of the company. Like they flat out said it. So. Right. Well, I like the thing on that. When I, I'm getting too why I liked it. But the, the thing on the, the uh, dark side of the ring for Jimmy Snuka, where he said something about, you know, when he was being interrogated by police and he said, uh, they're like, well, who's your boss? And he's like, Vince McMahon. They're like, the announcer? <laughs> yeah. I okay, honestly, I was wondering how we were going to get a Dark Side of the Ring reference into this show, and you did it. And then, boom, there it is. <laughs> but, all right. Uh, next up in the show, we get Farouk being interviewed by Kevin Kelly, and then we get Ahmed Johnson talking with Kelly in two different interviews. By the way, Vince McMahon talks over both freaking interviews. Why? Yeah. Did did we already I, see the interviews? I think they were on the free for all, but Well the Mark Merrill one was live because you could see him walking out and well, that's yeah, gonna that's gonna happen. You know the Sid one's live and there's a reason for that. We'll get to yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, God. We're live, pal. <laughs> well Farouk is being interviewed by Kevin Kelly. I couldn't hear hardly anything he said except for something oh, about telling yeah, that was on the grew- show. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, well, he said something to, uh, to Ahmed or about Ahmed where he's like, Well, we grew up on the same streets or something like that. It's like I don't think he did. You're from Florida, but I mean, you know, tomato, tomato, whatever. And and Ahmed's from Mississippi, right? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. But, is, but yeah. Well, either way, uh, we hear what most of Ahmed Johnson's promo, and he said he blames Farouk for costing him the Intercontinental title, and he's going to pay him back. We then go to a clip of Johnson standing over a hurt Farouk holding a. I was going to say two by four, but it's like a two by six. Like it's jai freaking gigantic. Yeah. It's like. Well, I mean, you make the comparisons between him and, and Jim Duggan, why his would be bigger. No? Wow. Well, anyway. <laughs> did Come you happen on. To, did you have, <laughs> moving away from that. Uh, <laughs> did you happen to notice how Vince was quick to defend on me? Well, we're, we're told he wasn't necessarily the aggressor. <laughs> Even though he was holding a weapon. <laughs> he had the smoking gun in his hand. <laughs> yeah. I, like, what the hell? Oh, man. It wasn't the aggressor. Oh. He just beat the hell out of this guy with a two by six. Yeah. Um, Farouk was unarmed. Well, you know, 
What stops a, a, a bad unarmed man is a good guy with a two by six. Hell yeah. Hey, we don't know, by the way. <laughs> Assad was a gladiator, man. He could have like a lance or something, man. You never know. Maybe. I I did, did you see it? No, but doesn't rule out him having it. Conceal carry. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> you, know, you, yeah, you can easily conceal one of those. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Like Wonder Woman. Uh, Jim Ross does come out one more time with Mr. Perfect, and he it looks like he's giving him his blessing. He's pointing. He's like, go at it. <laughs> and then he goes to the yeah. back. I like and how then, Perfect is still soaked, by the way, or you can tell. Yeah, and he comes out like... clean up his, or nothing. <laughs> yeah, and he comes out with his tie around, like, he untied his tie, and it's just, like, hanging off his neck. Like, yeah. just take it off. Put it wherever the hell your jacket is. Dude, he can still pull that look off, because he's perfect. Yeah, and he took the, the ponytail out of his hair, and now he's just letting it go. He's, he's going Dolph Ziggler style. <laughs> but he comes out, he puts on uh, Jim Ross's headset, finally. And here is where we get the interview with Wildman, Mark Marrow, uh, and Sable. Real quick, the the uh, headset works now. I don't know why my voice cracked. It works all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. It, it's, I'm going through puberty on our show. Sorry, but like yeah, all surprise. of a sudden, <laughs> yeah, it's like all of a sudden it works though, and it kind of like gives away that there are no problems. There really were messing with them. Yeah, right. So it makes Vince look like an. And then Perfect says, uh, "I don't care if it works or not." I'm like, "Well, it, you kind of should, because if it doesn't work, we're not going to hear you." So. That whole comment yeah. made no sense. Well, he well then. But he again, he's perfect, up. so he can say whatever the hell he wants. But well, he followed it up with, "Well, if it doesn't work, I'll just rip off your headset." <laughs> and and uh, <laughs> said something about it. he's like, "Well, he'll give it to you." No, Vince is like, "Oh, I'll just give it to you." Uh, oh yeah. Uh, wait a wait a back down on that one. <laughs> yeah right. It, what was that p word again? I used for taboo. <laughs> yeah right. Uh, but anyway, it, well, this was another. He was like, uh, he said something about. Oh, this is a seven thousand dollars suit or whatever. And then freaking Vince was like, "Oh, I, th- I thought you wore that suit before." It's like, <laughs> quit burying him. The King's like, "Oh, you got that?" It's like I saw the same suit at Kmart. And oh yeah, and then yeah, Mister like, said, uh, "Well, yeah, but it wasn't on the blue light special, so you didn't get it." <laughs> yeah, I like I like their exchange because he, yeah, it's like God. They, Look they were back great. at that moment. I think they missed a huge opportunity to put those two together. Oh, right. Yep. Uh, but anyway. that whole exchange had me rolling, dude. No, it was like so quick. It's like, God, it was so great. It got over real quick, at least with me. Yeah, right. Yeah, I know. Those two were great. Those two were great on the mic, and they probably would have done better than Piper and King actually did. That was kind of everybody kind of agreed that you know they were hoping Piper and King were going to have a great match, and uh, well, it didn't exactly go that way. <laughs> so we're only a couple months removed from that horrible thing, too. Was it a couple months or was it ninety five? Uh, it would had to have been had to have been ninety six. I think it was ninety. Yeah. Anyways, either way, we get the Wild Man Mark Marrow and Sable backstage for an interview, and the announcers are actually doing the interview, like through the camera, or whatever. And King just bogarts the whole thing, and he asks Marrow if he's got cold feet, and Marrow gives a couple of generic wrestler answers. Yeah, that was special. Yeah, this was like the most bland interview I've ever heard, and I'm just like. Dang, Mark. And you, I'm just, you're, you're just stealing my words for the match now, but anyways. <laughs> Good lord. Uh, well, this match was Wildman Mark Marrow with Sable. He's defending his championship, his uh, Intercontinental Championship, against Gold Dust with Marlena. This went for uh, just uh, over 11 and a half minutes. Halfway through the match, Gold Dust grabs a microphone. He tells the crowd to shut the hell up or he's going to come out there and shove his tongue down all their throats. Yeah, my first note on here was, I, I believe, I well, <laughs> my first note was like, I believe... Goldust just threatened semi-rape on the crowd. 
Well, he, uh, he at least threatened sexual assault. That is well, true. Yeah, okay, I probably shouldn't use the Yeah, but yeah, yeah. He just, yeah, I was like, why? <laughs> <laughs> He's in progress, pal. Shove my tongue down your throat. Yeah, there are children in that crowd. <laughs> but later on, Hunter Hearst Helmsley comes down to confront Mr. Perfect, but Perfect punches gold dust, and he, then he chases Helmsley away, then goes back to the announce table. Marrow ends up winning with the wild thing, which was his shooting star press. I didn't realize, I was today years old when I realized this. His version of the shooting star press looks exactly like the kind that Brock Lesnar did in OVW. Yeah. Irony? Almost, almost borderline Evan Bourne, too, because he like holds his thighs, I believe. Yeah, well, well, Bourne but Evan Bourne's a small, his, but he's a smaller kinda, guy, though, and it looks cooler when he does it. So, yeah, well, Bourne, the way he does it, he like leans back, kind of almost grabs his ankles. Yeah. Where, yeah. Whereas Brock and, um, yeah, Marrow kind of like tuck their knees in and like hold back their thighs or whatever. Yeah, so it was almost like that. But I'm like, it's a little weird to think about in 2020. <laughs> also, for WWE at this time, WWF, that was yeah. like a, a big thing. You think about oh, it, yeah. a lot of people did that. Like when he whipped that out at that SummerSlam game, Dig it. <laughs> uh, at SummerSlam a couple months prior and then lost after using it, by the way, which I thought was funny. Debut's a new yeah. one. But uh, I think it was the gold dust too. It was the same. It one. was, and then yeah. it was like, but like when he pulled that out, though, it's like, wow, that's a huge thing for WWE because you could see that every Monday night on Nitro from like, yeah. guys like not WWE. So, right, that well, tells Mar- me they were paying attention to WWE, uh, WCW. So, well, Mero was still doing the same stuff he was doing as uh, Johnny B. Bad. He still did the uh, I think it, I think it was called the Tutti Fruity, where he does the the front flip over the top rope. Yeah, uh, I mean, obviously he's not still calling it that, but that's what it was. Is uh, Johnny B. Bad. But Merrill actually blew at his knee during this match. So, yeah. yeah. Thus giving uh, away what's going to happen tomorrow night. Um, so, real quick. So, going back to the perfect thing we were talking about at the beginning of the show. He was uh, supposed to wrestle uh, against Hunter Hearst Helmsley. As right. you know, because they built the hell out of that the whole show. Kind of took yep. away from everything. And then he ends up, uh, quote, getting attacked by Helmsley. And then helps Helmsley win the IC title the next night. Turns heel. <laughs> He's with him what for like two weeks. Never wrestles. And is gone. Good lord. And he went in service in WCW until what, July next year? What is it with Helmsley and or Triple H, whatever you want to call him? What is it with, with him and Minnesota guys? Because he's best friends with Sean Waltman. He was with Mr. Perfect for a heartbeat, and then he teams up with Rick Rude with it like for the genesis of DX. I don't know, maybe it's just I mean, outside of like Canada, they produce some of the best wrestlers, so Yeah, it is true. Of course, America has Kurt Angle, the greatest ever. So, you know, we still win. Anyways, I digress. <laughs> wow. Uh, well, Am I wrong? <laughs> no, but well, we also have Ric Flair. Uncle sure. Dave gave this two and three, four stars. I gave it three stars. I had fun with this match other than Mr. Perfect and Helmsley kind of taking away from it. Uh, and the weird mid-match promo from Goldust where he threatened sexual assault. Other than that, <laughs> I thought the match itself was good. Uh, yeah. Obviously, Sable and Marlena being at ringside did not hurt matters any for you know the visuals and i people are you know some people may give us crap about this but you and i talked about it we like mark merrill up until yeah, i thought become, he was very underutilized i liked him up until he became marvelous mark merrill like i yeah. thought i mean that was more him as far as like the boxer or whatever but i, I don't know i liked his gimmicky stuff i thought he did good at it i loved johnny that when i was a kid man i ate that up i feel like i should hate it but i don't like I thought it was cool, 
I don't know. It gets crapped on a lot, but I liked it. I don't know. And you said you liked the wild man gimmick. I wasn't super hot for it. I think I only liked it because of who he was, and I loved Johnny B. Bad, and it just carried over. It's kind of funny that he came out to what would eventually, like, Sable would just keep this theme, and then he would switch it up to one of, I thought he had an amazing theme as Marvelous Mark Merrow. I so I just thought that that his his theme just like kicked when he was marvelous. But either way, yeah, uh, I thought this was fun though. I gave it two stars though. I just thought it was lacking something. Yeah, I mean it wasn't perfect. I will say that. <laughs> Although perfect was at ringside. <laughs> A couple of fun facts. I, number one, I said it's it's kind of funny how both guys were in WCW one year prior to this. Uh huh. And then. <laughs> oh uh, yeah. <laughs> and then another one. I said it, in one year's time they would both be drastically different. He would be marvelous. Oh Artist formerly knows gold dust. So, oh yeah, oh, the big a year makes. And also, this is the last pay per view appearance for Mister Perfect until Royal Rumble two thousand two. Wow. Yeah. So it's kind of. Did you ever notice that nobody could ever uh, ever decide on a name for Gold Dust finishers throughout his entire career? I just always thought it was called the curtain call. Yeah. Well, that's what me too. But here they called it the final curtain. Same wow. move. And then that that one move he does, I think. He, I think he still does it in AEW. I don't know. That one where he picks him up like he's going to do a suplex and then spins him around and slams him. Uh, that yeah, one, he does. And then yeah. there was another curtain call that he did where he lifted him up, dropped him down, and almost gave him like a rude awakening. Right, yeah. So that was a different version of that one. And then, But that, that one I'm talking about, the suplex slam thing, he ended up calling it the Golden Globes at one point. Uh, and then it was called something else at one point, too, that I can't remember. I remember the, one time, I don't know if the King final was cut? joking, I don't know if King was joking, but one time he hit it and King called it Oscar. So Wow. Oh, yeah. I think he, uh, he might have called it that at one point, too. He just kept... <laughs> I didn't get that as a kid. Looking back, I'm like, oh, duh. But yeah. yeah. Like, Oscar? <laughs> right. Who the hell's Oscar? The other guy in Men on a Mission? <laughs> right. Yeah. But we get a video that plays up next showing Sid and Vader arguing over who has the best powerbomb. <sighs> Okay, before we even start this, before we even start this, the first note I made, okay, and it, it, I, I noticed it right away. I said uh-huh. the feud was over the powerbomb. Uh-huh. Why is this stupid? Because Vader's whole thing in WWE was about the Vader bomb. He debuts right. the Rumble. The next night, he takes Gorilla Monsoon out with the Vader bomb. And then he breaks Yoko yeah. his leg with the Vader bomb. And then he beats Shawn Michaels to earn his number one contendership with the Vader bomb. And everyone's talking about it. Now, all of a sudden, randomly, I do a powerbomb. Yeah. Where the hell it, did this come from? It's like, I know you did the powerbomb in WCW, whatever. It, that was another thing. I like, they just transferred that name, Vader Bomb, because that's what he called his powerbomb in WCW. Yeah. Vader Bomb. So now, like, people today are like, what's the real Vader Bomb? That went off the, the ropes or, or the powerbomb? Yeah, right. And just, he took me out of it because I'm like, wait, like, his whole thing in WWE, like, the whole time he was there, it was built up over his devastating move, which I thought was great. You yeah. Know? But right. like now all of a sudden, oh no, I do a power bomb too. It's like Right. That's so I, stupid. I just I might get some heat for this. And I'm not crapping on Vader. It just it sounded funny in the promo. The way he that the one line they put in there from him it made him sound like I, I, he needed a I'll just put it this way. Made him sound like he had uh like special needs or something. I don't know. When he was like he was he said something like uh I do the best power bomb or something like that. Yeah. Something to that effect. And I was like, what the <laughs> hell? Vader? Yeah. man. He's like, you, he's like, you don't do the power bomb. I do the power bomb. <laughs> like, yeah. cause nobody else in this company can do a power bomb <laughs> except for you. Right. Like, 
if it's like a special move, fine. But did these guys eventually team up as the masters of the power bomb? Well, the- they did earlier. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I mean, going off of that, yeah, okay, this makes sense. But like in the WWE the part, they- though, it's like you built up the whole the Vader bomb thing, and now they're just taken away from it. And yeah. this is also a stupid concept for a match. <laughs> How dare you, Greg? They went on to reuse this between Sid and Kevin Nash in WCW. Yeah, you're right. Oh, man, I can't wait for that awesome Goldberg versus Roman Spear match. Right. We need to. I do the best spear. No, I do the best spear. Go Georgia Bulldogs. <laughs> no, go Florida. What is he, a Gator or Seminole? Uh, Seminole's Ron Seminole. Simmons. I'm going to say he's Gator. Yeah, I, I there is remember. but one Seminole in pro wrestling, so. Good lord. I uh, somebody correct me, what the hell college did uh Roman go to? I can't remember off the top of my head. Either way, they talked to Shawn Michaels about who gives the best power bomb, and he said both of them knocked him out with their power bombs so he doesn't he can't give <laughs> okay. a straight answer. My whole thing about that is like, well, I've taken Sid's power bomb. I've taken Vader's. Sid's knocked me loopy. Vader's knocked me out. So I'm gonna say they're equal. Like, oh yeah. you could have just said that, dude. We didn't need to hear the whole breakdown. I mean, yes, we did. It's, it's they're they're analyzing the power bomb, Greg. Gosh, you're just this is a great time. It's such good crap, pal. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, come on. Anyway, unfortunately, it doesn't get any better. That damn bell. Oh, had I ring. think our entire conversation just then was probably more entertaining than this match. Well, yeah, but we get Psycho Sid versus Vader. Vader's got Jim Cornette who did the talking for him. See, Jim Cornette knew the like little things I noticed now because of crap said on the internet. During promos, Jim Cornette knew how to stand. And by that, I mean he was stood behind his massive like client. He didn't stand in front of him and shout into the camera while his client is barely visible behind him. That's That was one critique people had with, with Taz. They're like, why are you like right in the camera? Meanwhile, the guy you're supposed to be pumping up is like in the background. Yeah, right. <laughs> So I, that's that's why he made that crack on Impact, where it's like, I guess I'll stand behind you and so make the people on the internet happy or something like that. <laughs> but anyway, uh, this was for the, of all things, this was for the number one contendership for the WWF title. Yep. So there you go. This went eight minutes on the dot. It went crap. seven and a half minutes too long. They just came in and kicked him in the gut and powerbombed him. One of them, boom, it's over. <laughs> I thought it was going to end in a minute, and I'll get to why, but... The crowd absolutely blows their crap for Sid. Did you notice that? I did. And I think they, that the announcers, had, the, the announcers had no choice but to acknowledge it. Did you catch that? Yeah. They're like, wow, <laughs> he's over here. I can't remember what they said, but it's something that like, they're it's like, like, oh, the crowd loves Sid. Same lunatics fans love him or something like that. Yeah. As soon as you hear that, like crowd just like blows. And I'm like, damn, dude. And he comes out and <laughs> I always love this where he would come out and he'd He'd do the what Rhino eventually ended up doing. He'd throw his fist out and be like, who's a man? And the crowd would blow more. Yep. And then he comes out fist bumping the fans. Which one? Uh, it, was in, it was in Madison Square Garden. Was it WrestleMania where he came out and just like the crowd basically mauled him for fist bumps? That's the, that's the event he's after this. Sorry, no, Survivor Series. Okay. Yeah. Uh, not to give spoilers. But, but like, any- uh, oh, God, now you give away. It's just going to win. No, uh, no. I feel like Shawn Michaels was definitely booed that night and Sid was like, like almost like Hogan Montreal status. Yeah. They ripped the roof off that place for him. Yeah, and as much as Uncle Dave sits there and craps on, well, Sid sucks. He, you know, he can't have a match, whatever. Who cares? When you're that freaking over, who cares? 
Uh, I, I don't think 40,000 people jam-packed at Georgia don't watch Goldberg put on a, a clinic. So Yeah, they're, you know. they're not signing up for Sorry now to a Kawashi. <laughs> right. But Vader gets a mild reaction, and he his entrance just screams, I don't really care. Did you get that same feeling? Um, Kind of, but then I was like, well, they did just you know blow their load for Sid. Yeah. You know, I'm not to say they can't do it twice, but clearly they're going to put no effort into even booing this guy. <laughs> yeah, well, Vader comes out the mild re- I'm not even talking about the mild reaction, but just like Vader kind of just like mildly walks to the ring, half-heartedly like does his pose, and then he's like, "Eh, I'm going to chill out." Like some it almost looks like he had the flu that night. He just didn't really want to work. I don't know. He seemed like he was dragging ass this night. Well, what you said just a second ago about uh Blowing their crap, I'll, I'll get to uh, here because Shawn Michaels came right out right after Vader to observe, you know, because he was going to watch the match and get on commentary, and the crowd loses their crap again. Like yep. I felt like I felt like they blew just as big for him as they did for Sid. And it's funny not to play WWE fanboy here, but I feel like nobody in WCW got those kind of reactions looking at least the shows back then at, at, at this time. At this time, no. Uh, I feel like Piper during- is about to get that reaction yeah but like at this time yeah nobody did uh maybe rick flair in the carolinas maybe that that's i don't know uh, that that's but again that's also a regional thing too they just love him because he's right. from there yeah I mean, nobody's nobody now these guys are from indiana so right yeah sid and uh and sean got these reactions everywhere but when Cornette tries to get into the ring sid pulls the ropes down or ropes up and crotches him because he's like stepping through the ropes and sid pulls him up into his crotch and Cornette had to pretend like he actually had nards there for a second. <laughs> Come on. I had to get one dig in. But, cool. Mutual friend is not going to give me heat for this one. It's going to go. Yeah. To you. Nope. <laughs> uh, this distracts the referee so that Vader can low blow Sid. This, But he still can't powerbomb him. So Sid gets up, nails a choke slam on him finally, and wins the match. Uncle Dave gave this three-fourths of a star. He absolutely hated it. I gave it two stars. Looking back, maybe one and a half. It wasn't very good. What say you? I gave it one. The whole thing sucked. Well, uh, what I was talking about, I thought it was going to be over in a minute because because Sid starts off hot. I can't remember what he does to start off, but he drops Vader and then he nails the leg, the Hogan leg drop, and gets a near fall. I was like, oh crap! I thought it was done. I yeah. thought he was going to job out Vader, but no. But yeah, we get Sid going on to Survivor Series. But after the match, Shawn Michaels gets... Oh, go ahead. You I, get, oh, yeah. I found this funny, by the way. I was thinking about this. This is his last run in WWE. Uh-huh. Every match from International Incidents to King of the Ring 97, he either was an, either Shawn Michaels is involved or he wrestled the British Bulldog. Every single match. Wow. It's crazy to me to think that. Like Every, or every pay-per-view, I should clarify. Um, yeah, either Michaels is involved, Michaels is on commentary, or he's wrestling the British Bulldog. <laughs> Every pay per view had to do with those two for Sid. That's nuts to think about. Yeah. That so, covers a lot of pay per views, by the way. Yeah. This also, looking back at it, you know, Vader kind of being boo boo faced almost kind of makes me think because you got to realize this was during the time when it was supposed to be Vader and Vader versus Sean for the world title. He was going to get the WWF title. And then Sean apparently said, I don't want to work with him. He's too rough. So they changed course to Sid. So he was literally giving up his spot to Sid 
here on pay-per-view. So the next thing in your house is actually named for Vader too. Yeah. So it, which by the way, like this is why I know you love Bruce Pritchard. I I'm entertained by his show, but he's still, because Conrad was like, well, obviously Vader was going to be the main event. It's called it's time. It, well, that doesn't mean anything. And it's like, what do you mean? It doesn't mean anything. It's called it's time. That's <laughs> Vader's catchphrase. Well, that doesn't mean we are going to go with Vader. It's like, yes, it effing does. Just like quit being a doofus and just own up to it. Like was who this, cares? Was this post being rehired by WWE? No, I think he said this all along, and like Conrad can't get it out of him. He just, you know, as much as we talk about, that, that's why Jim Cornette calls him the Artful Dodger because you can't get a straight answer out of him to save your freaking life. That's, yeah, that's what. Look at looking at this card, by the way. Uh, Vader wasn't even on. It's time. Yeah, <laughs> well, that wasn't named for Vader. It's like, oh, eat me. It's like Beware of Dog oh, wasn't named it, after a Bulldog, right? No, it's it means it's time to get out of 1996 and start a new year. That's what that meant. Yeah. It's time to push Sid again. That's what it means. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't This is so stupid. But after the match, Shawn Michaels gets in the ring to confront Sid. They shake hands and celebrate together. Uh, so, they're pushing Sid as also a babyface. Uh, that doesn't last long. But we then get a commercial for Survivor Series weekend. Hall of Fame ceremony used to happen before Survivor Series, which I was today years old when I found out. Well, it's only one. Oh, okay. yeah. yeah that's it. Didn't it bounce around a few times? I don't think it comes back until 2004, actually. Well, I mean, before this, I think it bounced around a couple times. Like when it I don't place. think they had a ceremony. They just inducted somebody and kind of recorded it. Yeah, and they had like a dinner or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, but... Either way, uh, Doc Hendricks then tries to interview Sid, but Jim Ross takes over. Like, he just bursts in. He's like, he's like, you stand down, Doc. I got this one. And I'm like, well, damn, Jim. Uh, but Jim Ross takes over and he asks Sid if he'll do whatever it takes, including breaking Shawn Michaels back to become the WWF champion. Sid flubs up majorly. Can't figure. He, hey, hey, we are live, pal. So. Yeah, yeah, he's. I, I was waiting because he was he he sat there like he couldn't remember what he was gonna say. I kept waiting for him to step back, and be like, uh, "Hold on, let's do that again." And they were great. well, we're live, pal. <laughs> but it was with he, Jim uh, Ross, by the way. Yeah, that's good grief. It's this was uh, ridiculous. But either way, he flubs up his promo, but he says that he will do whatever it takes, and he did. Wasn't this when they brought in Jose Lothario and he takes him out with a camera or something like that? That was at the match, yeah. Yeah, so. But then we get a video package for the main event. Such a package. It was of Paul Bearer turning on The Undertaker and aligning with Mankind. And then both Mankind and The Undertaker keep doing tricks to each other, like uh, popping up out of a casket and attacking the other one. The Undertaker comes through the ring for the 5,000th time. And I just, yeah, just all that stuff. So all the, all the, you know, good stuff. Yeah, all the mind game stuff. The only thing that didn't happen that that, this is coming next year is nobody was set on fire quite yet. So. That's yet to come. By the way, this was the... I, correct me if I'm wrong. Mankind wrapping the Undertaker up in that casket and beating the crap out of it. Uh, I think that was, like, the first of a couple times that would happen to a casket. Yeah, it's become a staple now. Yeah. I rem- and it's always the metal caskets, obviously. Well, no, I take that back. There there was the one at the Royal Rumble 98 that you were at, by the way. I was. So, yeah, where Kane takes an axe to the... Uh, wooden one, but I specifically remember was it you know, I, wasn't it Triple H that locked the rock in a casket and beat it up? Yep, yeah, I, I remember that one specifically because when I think of casket, I think of those two. <laughs> well, yeah, of course. <laughs> 
us on Twitter and Instagram at main event underscore marks and Facebook at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod. The been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. Enjoy. Thanks. The order breakfast at the McDonald's drive-thru. Tell yourself you'll wait to eat it at work, but it smells way too good. So you eat it right there in the McDonald's parking lot, Neil. There's a meal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, get any size iced coffee for 99 cents until 11 a.m. And pair it with your favorite breakfast sandwich or one of our tasty bakery treats. Price and participation may vary. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. McDonald's. I'm loving it. Now, back to our program. Well, the main event, ladies and gentlemen, is the Buried Alive match, which is the namesake for this event. It's Mankind with Paul Bearer versus The Undertaker. It went for just shy of 18 and a half minutes. During The Undertaker's entrance, <laughs> they got the, the fog and the smoke and whatever, and, and the king insists that it's raining inside. Yeah. I'm like, why? Because uh, why do you have to make it, this, like, this why do you have to me, add to it? This took me back to when I was a kid and an earthquake would enter, and they uh, would, like, kind of, like, shake the camera a little bit, and I would, like, think the entire arena was shaking. Uh, nice. And also, well, on, would, also on that, I would, like, legit think the... Arena was freezing when the Undertaker came out because they would say it was chills in here. Yeah, so. well, Jim Ross always said, "Oh, it's getting colder in here." <laughs> My thing is, I think because uh, they used dry ice for his entrance, so I think it did get a little chillier, like at ringside. So I don't think he was f- completely full of it, but yeah. Spikes and chairs are all used during this match. Both men battle from the ring in back to the dirt, back to the ring, back to the dirt, back to the ring. They're just all over. The Undertaker hits Mankind with a tombstone in the ring. They drags him up to the grave, dumps him in, or, well, they fight around for a while. And then The Undertaker finally chokeslams Mankind into the grave. I, I'm not going to criticize this being a, a hideous-looking chokeslam because I wouldn't want to take a bump into hard dirt either. So, you know, he was tr- trying to be nice about it. But The Undertaker just kind of shovels a couple, like, puts a couple shovels worth of dirt on him, and then they're like, all right, you're good, he's buried, he wins. Yeah. Uh, but he wins with that. Uncle Dave actually gave this three and three-fourth stars. I gave it an even three for entertainment value. What say you? I gave it three as well, and my reasoning for that, I said it was a fun brawl, but it was never meant to be a wrestling match. So you have to think about that. Right. And it, yeah. that's it. You know, that's what it's supposed to be. I was thoroughly uh, entertained during during the actual, like, bell-to-bell stuff. Yeah. I one of my biggest critiques of this match is I feel like it took them like a week to bury the Undertaker. Oh, we're getting I, to sorry, that. Yeah. To jump in. But it took like a week to get it done. You get, like ten dudes yep. out there, and <laughs> oh, like, wait, this is still yeah. going on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're like, that ah, was Tuesday, and they're still right. still burying his ass. <laughs> well, after the match, the Undertaker refuses to quit burying mankind. He keeps shoving the referee away. All of a sudden. The debut, and we don't get a name for him, but we know what the name is going to be. The debuting executioner comes out and smacks the Undertaker in the back with a shovel. And the executioner, by the way, is uh, Terry Gordy in a mask. 
Which, yeah, by the way, oh, Slam Master J. By the way, I just want to point that out. Yeah, that's what he's remembered for. <laughs> Former Freebird Terry Gordy uh, was given a job basically as a favor to Doc Hendricks, Michael PSAs, whatever you want to call him. They because and he he was asking, he's like, well, Terry's in a bad way, needs a job. Can can you guys hook him up? And they said yes, but we don't want Freebird Terry Gordy. So. I don't know why they couldn't, like, he didn't have to be a free bird. I don't know why they couldn't just bring him in as a big ass kicker like he was in Japan. But I don't know. No disrespect, but nobody gave a damn about him right here, so that's probably why. Yeah. I, well, it's WWF. They could have made some, I don't know. Either way, uh, they bring him in under, was it just me or did he look like he was in phenomenal shape? Yeah, he did. He looked a lot better than before. Yeah. He wasn't, he wasn't even chunky here. I was like, Damn, dude, you've been hitting them weights. Yeah, he looked good, um, besides the stupid mask, but he uh, he unburied mankind or dug him up, whatever the hell, took a couple shovel, you know, handfuls of dirt off him and pulled him out. And then he threw the Undertaker into the grave. Mick Foley talked about this, by the way, because if you watch, he's face down in the dirt. He said there's a breathing apparatus that's buried there, and he, like, put it on his face so he wasn't suffocating in the dirt. So, because honestly, if he wouldn't have said that, I'd have been like, how are they not suffocating? Because as we just talked about, the Undertaker is going to be completely buried here, face down in the dirt. But they're burying the Undertaker for, like you said, like a week before the heels come out. They're burying him. Even Paul Bearer gets in on the action. And they're flickering the lights, doing the sounds of lightning echoing in the arena. This goes on for eternity. <laughs> Until they're like, all right, we got to call an audible. I think Bruce Pritchard was like, this is taking forever. Call all the heels, just send them out there with shovels. So. We get, what is it, Justin Hawk, Bradshaw, Gold Dust, Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Am I missing someone? Nah, I think you got all the usual suspects. Yeah. The only one they we, didn't have was like Austin, I think. Yeah. And then we got the Executioner, we got Mankind, we got Paul Bearer. Well, Paul Bearer wasn't digging at first. He was sitting there holding an urn, and uh, they're all burying him. The fans are whipping garbage into the grave, by the way, while they're digging. <laughs> And, uh, and Paul Bearer is is shouting, Yes! The Undertaker is gone forever! I'll pay you all later! Go on forever. Like, I'm like, what? This was, and he just, like, after a while, he's like, I can't keep shouting. This is, this is going on for eternity. Mankind, or Mick Foley, said he looked, him and Justin Hawk Bradshaw looked at each other and were just kind of like, this is going on for eternity. Like, what the hell? He's just, and he said, he looked in the crowd and both of them saw this, this, this father with his kid audibly saying, what the hell am I watching? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But everyone is uh, winded at the end of the segment. If you I notice. I winded from watching this. I know. I was like, my God, fast forward, fast forward. Uh, but finally, the gong goes off. The heels run for it. Lightning strikes the headstone and the Undertaker's hand pops up from under the dirt, which Bruce Pritchard refers to as the carry. If anybody, and if, if anybody's seen the movie Carrie, you'll get it. Okay, we already did the stupid things Uncle Dave says, but here, get prepared for this one. Uncle Dave thinks that the Undertaker's glove coming out from the dirt after he was buried was pretty much just as stupid as Hulk Hogan pushing the giant off the roof of an arena at last year's Halloween Havoc. How is this remotely stupid? This is what he does. I know. This was his gimmick, pal. I, like... You pushed a man off the roof of Kobo Hall and then, like, supposedly a mortal man off an arena roof, and then he came back later in the night to dry hump Hulk Hogan. Not, with, wow. wow. With not one scrape on him, by the way. Yeah. 
Like, and, and they're like, oh yeah, my I'm god, pretty, I'm sure you know a 500 pound man falling off a roof, smacking presumably cement or something, is not going to leave a mark on him. That makes sense. Yeah, and, god, this was an idiot. <laughs> yeah, well, this was stupid. Okay, if you're going for realism, of course it's stupid. But the Undertaker isn't realistic. That's like uh, Jim Cornette talking about. You know, uh, was it what year was it where all the heels threw the Undertaker into the casket and quote unquote killed him or whatever? Uh, Ninety four. 94, okay. He said, because Jim Cornette was there managing a few people, I think it was with Yokozuna at the time, Mm -hmm. and uh, a few others, and Cornette said during the segment he tried to hide behind anything he could find because he wanted to be as far away from this goofiness as possible. And it's like, okay, somebody like him, whatever, I get it, because he's like, well, it's all about realism, and The Undertaker, whatever. But it's like, this is his gimmick. This is what he does. It's not the Giants gimmick to fall off a roof and be be okay to come back and dry hump Hulk Hogan and win the world title. Why do you keep going back to the dry hump? Because that's what they did. Him and the Yeti tag-teamed, did an Eiffel Tower Yeah, on but Hulk the Hogan. Yeti really dry humped him more because he was behind him. But Well, yeah, they like I said, they, they pulled an Eiffel Tower on him. Don't Google that. Do not Google that. Holy crap. <laughs> Maybe look it up on Urban Dictionary. I don't know, but either way. Oh, yeah, that's better. At least you won't get if visual. Google Eiffel Tower probably be better results than Urban Dictionary. Well, Urban Dictionary isn't going to give you visual representation, Greg. That was my thing. I'm I don't want them. Sure, if someone puts Eiffel Tower on Google, the first thing they see is the actual Eiffel Tower. So that's your weird mind. Well, I'm the yeah. Uh, the In Your House Buried Alive show oh. was the <laughs> first show of 1996. By the way, that Shawn Michaels did not technically main event because the pay per view went off the air after the Undertaker Mankind match. But then Shawn Michaels did end up wrestling a dark match afterwards, which was the final match of the show. So he still sort of main evented. But, I mean, it doesn't really count because, like I said, it was, it was off air. He technically didn't main event the Royal Rumble. Mm, oh, was the Royal Rumble the main event? No. Uh, so, I mean, oh. he technically didn't main event that, but, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, like, yeah. Nah, I don't know. But either way, so. I got to point out a fun fact for this, by the way. This is okay. this was kind of interesting. When I saw the Undertaker being buried, I'm like, man, this has happened before. Not like recently, but like kind of recently. And yeah. I realized it was almost 14 years to the day later, 14 years and four days, uh-huh. that Undertaker wrestled a Paul Bear managed wrestler and got buried alive by a group of heels. It was at bragging rights against yeah. the ne- and the Nexus appeared. Like they literally the month for month. Opponent was Kane, but it was like, you know, okay, Kane, Mankind. You can see the similarity there. Paul Bear was the manager still. It's like they just kind of repeated it 14 years later. Well, Undertaker has become the Kenny of the WWF. I I just think it's funny. It was like exactly 14 years later, though. And Paul Bear was still there. And it still took a group of guys to bury him. And then also, he would never get revenge on any of these guys for that. Right. That, (laughs) this, um, this, a couple things Big Foley uh, also said about this. He said this match, they decided if we ever do this again, we're going to have a backhoe at, you know, to, oh. to bury him. So I feel like every every bury live going forward, they would just use a earth mover. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. The backhoe. Yeah. So he said that's this is exactly why, because of all of this. And if you can see during this, even mankind is trying. He's like laying in the dirt, physically pushing armfuls of dirt ahead because he's like, holy crap, get this going. <laughs> Uh, and then he, he said, is the, we have two dark matches after this. Shawn Michaels is the second one. He takes on Gold Dust and defeats him for the world title. But he says, Spoilers? You know, take, oh, gosh. 
But The Undertaker, he said, you know, The Undertaker gets buried alive. All these heels, you know, we, we go out there, we bury him. The lightning strikes. His hand pops. Oh, my God. He's alive. The Undertaker's alive. The show goes off the air. And here come the Godwins versus the New Rockers. <laughs> <laughs> and he said. That's where and, the money's being made right there. <laughs> oh, yeah. And he said, that was the first time I've ever been under the car, been undercard to Al Snow. Holy crap. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, just how can you take this seriously? Like, you just witnessed a man being buried alive and his hand popping up out of the dirt. And then you got to watch the Godwins versus the new rockers. I don't see what's wrong with that. But... Literally everything. Oh, man, this is bad. Not good. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at main event underscore marks and Facebook at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod. Fracture prints your digital photos directly onto glass, making your favorite moments come alive in vivid color. Hand assembled in the USA, Fracture glass prints are a unique and beautiful way to display and share your favorite moments. Simply upload your photo at fractureme.com, select your size, and your glass print will be shipped to you. Ready to hang with just one screw. Use code POD15 to get 15% off your order today. That's code POD15 at FractureMe.com. The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Now, back to our program. The final ratings for the show, man. IMDb gave this 6.5 out of 10. Cagematch.net gave it 6.41 out of 10. I as well gave it 6.5 out of 10. What say you? I, I gave it a solid C-. It's kind of watchable. Not something you'll remember. So what about seven? Give or take. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I gave it. I, it's I, not, I give it a six point five because it's like the matches that were on the card were like meh. It's not the worst piece of crap you'll ever see. No, no. I mean, they're they're much 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 worse. So this was watchable. I'll say that. Um, and no, I mean, if for nothing else, this main event was fun. So go watch that. And it, and it was historic. The Sid Vader match. Not good. The the Intercontinental yeah. title match, <laughs> Intercontinental title match was watchable. Tag title match was sucky, and the opening match was fine between Triple H and Austin. Uh, it would it would be weird that you know I don't think you can say that match was just okay ever again for Austin and Triple H together. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I think they pretty much tore the house down every time they fought each other after this. But it's really crazy that they opened this pay per view and then like we want to do what they did. Right. Yeah. Two man power trip, baby. But all right, man, that wraps up the show. Next week, we are getting back into the swing of things with a Halloween Havoc. We are going back to the year 1993. That show also involves Vader, but that match was actually good. And it also involves Mick Foley, too. So it, uh, on October 21st, the show is WCW Halloween Havoc 1993, headlined by Big Van Vader and Cactus Jack in a Texas death match. I've been looking forward to watching this because I didn't watch any WCW from this era. So they did some cartoonish stuff around here. This wasn't the year before the spin the wheel, make the deal in 92. Yep. I think they did it again here, but they 
you know, they yeah, rigged it. They clearly rigged it this time. Yeah. <laughs> I got landed on the worst thing possible, man. <laughs> yeah. Coal miner's glove for Jake the Snake versus, uh, was it Sting? Yes, Jake the Snake and Sting. Or, yeah, I, I know it involved Cactus Jack in some way, shape, or form, but it's just, it was horrible. Coal miner's glove match. Ah, <sighs> good lord. But we get, uh, that's on, like I said, October 21st. October 28th, we get the Monday Night Raw from October 28th, 2002. So we're actually getting into the 2000s. Still retro, because this is 18 years ago. And it will, from the time the show airs, it will be 18 years to the day that that Raw aired. The main event is Triple H versus Kane in a casket match. And Shawn Michaels gets involved in it. It's good stuff. Very much looking forward to watching that Raw again. I haven't seen it since it aired 18 years ago. But we have a bonus show this month, like we do every month. You and I are looking forward to this. It'll be the first show of its kind that we cover. We are going to go over TNA's Bound for Glory 2010. That was they uh, arrive. Yes, they are here. A major thing happened. A couple major things happened. That would. Uh, uh, yeah, I just I remember um, this being a huge culmination. I yeah. I thought it kind of paid off a little bit. I know I'm it like did. might be in the minority of that, but I mean I I was a big T- you and I both were big TNA fans during this era, and I know everybody crapped on. And, th- and there were certain things I did not like about the Hulk Hogan Eric Bischoff era of TNA, but all in all, I thought some good stuff came out of it. Not all of it, but you know enough. And uh, yeah, it kept me kept me interested. So this was a, a big culmination. Hogan had just got there in January. So this was 10 months in. This was their biggest show of the year. And it, I mean, long-term storytelling, pal. Yeah, so lots to cover on that show. I believe I found a good uh, way to watch it. So we'll uh, leave it at I that. I still have the DVD, I think so. Ugh, DVD, as you always say. The hell is that? Yeah. It might have um, been, they don't have Blu-ray for Impact. No. Yeah. I know. Well, they barely have TV for Impact, but that's beside the point. <laughs> Either way, we, uh, we're going to uh, come at you with all that for the rest of October. Thank you for joining me today, Greg. Mm-hmm. And we will come at you next week, getting back with Halloween Havoc 1993. Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com. The been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.